What's up, everybody? You are back with Jay and January on Candid Candor. It's our podcast where we want to just talk about things that we want to talk about. So, babe, what do we want to talk about today? So, today, first, can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> today, we're going to talk about race. That's right. We're going to talk about race. So, stay tuned and get you some of this Candid Candor. Well, babe, we are back in this closet. We're back in this closet. Back in the closet. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. We we started to talk. We introed and we talked about, we're telling them we're talking about race. And yeah. I bet people got a little nervous. I think some people got a little <laughs> bit nervous, but also I think equally as many people are intrigued. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, a little nervous is not not that bad. I mean, yeah. we just it's candid candor. We just want to talk. Like, exactly. We just want to start conversations. We just want to start conversations. And what better conversation to start than a conversation about race? Yeah, cuz I mean, we all deal with race, you know, cuz everybody ha- everybody's a race. It's exactly. Just, I mean, like everybody's a race. Everybody's made from somewhere yeah, or so someplace. We got to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Like what in, in what part like what made race a taboo topic? Uh, what do you think? I mean, it's like, it's an opinion, but huh? That's a really good question. Like we talk about, like we have other taboo topics, like you know, some people say religion is a taboo topic. I don't think that's true. But or then, politics. Politics is a taboo topic to some people, but I also don't think that's true. I don't think anything should actually be a taboo topic. Hence, is why we're probably doing a podcast where we can just talk about whatever we want to talk about. True. That would make true sense. True that. Uh, but I don't know where the tension for not wanting to talk about race comes from. I mean, maybe the fact that we all just look different in appearance, that could be a, a topic of contention for some people. Or maybe because it is slightly like people are just afraid of conflict. I believe like we talked about Jackie O'Perry's podcast and they talked about conflict and all that. And like yeah. how and they say, you know, people, some people just are terrified of any type of conflict. And race, I mean, because of the history of our country and, I mean, countries across the world, like, there's there's tension with the conversation. So instead of, you know, talk about it and fixing it, <laughs> we just keep it taboo and hold it on to ourselves. But Yeah, just, when in reality, like, we're, we're just called to be able to talk about these things naturally and ask questions. I think that's the, the yeah, big I think, thing I mean, that people are afraid to do is just ask questions. Yeah, to fix anything, you got to mm-hmm. ask questions. Like, when you're... Your cable's messed up. What do you, you call the cable company and you ask them questions, right? Like, yeah. Or the internet company. Which not, most people don't have cable anymore because we're oh, streaming yeah. everything. What's but cable again? Internet is this thing that happened at one point and now it don't happen no more because we all oh. have streaming. So what are satellite dishes? Satellite are? dishes are what we put in the dishwasher. <laughs> we're trying to clean them. No. But before we get started, we kind of wanted to talk about, you know, kind of our background. I know we, t- we talked a little bit about that in the first episode, but I think... Me and January grew up totally different, which is yeah. is amazing that kind of the the kind of story of our life, how we ended up together. But we don't want to get into like the love story because it was a love story. It was love. such a great love story. You know, and one day we will talk about that love story. Put the but the not today. We're not going to talk about put that Titanic. Today. The sh- well, they died. So that's not. Oh, that's yeah, not, 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 no, no. <laughs> they no. died a notebook, too. No, Jack died. Yeah. Rose survived until she was like 100. Yeah. 100. She was really old. At least that's what the movie shows. I don't know, man. Like, uh, fun, like confession. I don't think I've ever seen the all the time in it. I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can. That's we, one of the we best. We sign legal documents. No, that's, that's one we gotta be of friends the best movies we of We bowed in front of century. God and a, a, about 300 people. 
<laughs> that we were going to be friends forever. It's so one of the best to. movies of the century. If you haven't seen it, then you need to see it. The Titanic, I it's guess. It's such a great movie. Anywho, wow. so we want to talk about kind of our background. So, baby, you want to start since you're... But do, promise me you're not going to talk about the Bow Weevil. Like, you just have to tell me. <laughs> we don't care about the Bow Weevil. The Bow Weevil was, like, amazing for South Alabama and other parts of the... Like, no, just South Alabama. Well... But do not go into the Bow Weevil. I want to hear your story, like, where you grew up. I know they want to know, like, where you grew up, kind of the demographics of where you grew up. You know, just tell me about you. But do not, under any circumstance, mention the Bow Weevil. Okay, well, one day I will talk about the boll weevil because the people want to know, I know. But I'm from Enterprise, Alabama, and that is in southeast Alabama. And so Enterprise is a pretty small town. And for those who don't know me, or they might even not know this about me, but I am biracial. Or you can say mixed or Blasian. Whatever you want to say, uh, I am mixed with two races. I am black and Asian. And so my mother is from Cambodia. My dad is African-American. And so we grew up as like a, a middle class family. I mean, I have a younger brother. He's four years younger than me. And, you know, I just grew up differently than Jay did. And my issues with race all stem from, um, not really issues, it's just I just had a lot of identity issues regarding race because I didn't look like my mom and I also didn't really look like my dad. And so gr- growing up, I had a lot of people who wanted to tell me who I was and what I was. And so growing up, I just didn't have a solid foundation in in my identity because I just didn't, there was no one else around me that looked like me. And not only in my household outside of my brother, but also in the media, like in magazines, on TV, there was never anyone that looked like me. So that was, that was one big thing that I struggled with. And that's why right now I'm just such a big, um, advocate that's a good word i'm such a big advocate for representation like mattering across the board and another thing i struggled with being in south alabama and being of mixed race there was a lot of people in south alabama who just weren't about that interracial marriage and so um quite often go being in stores and going to places when it was just me and my mom which we did often um she would get a lot of side eyes and a lot of like what is this how do you have this this child you guys don't look alike and um it was just a lot of struggles like that and also playing growing up playing sports and being around just a i I mean enterprise is just that city is a large portion of it is is white and so it's not a, a super super mixed town um so also growing up with just a lot of people around me that didn't look like me so i mean i guess there are a lot of other di- difficulties and differences that are wrapped up in there, but that's just a g- general synopsis. And so, Jay, what was it like for you growing up in South Atlanta? That's right. So um, I'm from Jonesboro, Georgia. You don't know where that is. You know, you're at, at Hartsville Atlanta Airport. You go about 10 miles south. You hit Jonesboro. And our upbringings were almost, I guess I could say opposites because um, I live with a single mom Um I'm one of six children, like super, you know, independent family lifestyle because of that. Um, I'm also, I grew up in a town that is 95% African-American. Like my graduating class, I only remember three white kids and one of them named was Heidi. One of them named was Andrew. Andrew's on the World Series of Poker tour and Heidi went to MIT and then there was another white guy, I don't remember his name, but, um, and so... 
I really only only really got the glimpse of what racism was and the difference in races because I played baseball. So I played travel baseball all growing up, playing with all different types of people. Baseball is a, a predominantly, at that time it was probably predominantly white sport. Now I think it's more of a Latin sport and white people just kind of, we filter in with black people and Latin people are kind of running baseball. But um, I do, I, I didn't never have like a, a thought of what racism was until, you know, I started playing travel baseball. But then growing up, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, um, the mindset of other races from my end, because I grew up in a, like I said, a area to where it was highly dense with African-American people. We grow up resenting other races, and we were taught to resent other races because of, one, it was ignorance, and, like, we just didn't know things. But, two, it was because of the image of what, you know, other races and ethnic groups, you know, had done already to African-Americans and, you know, how that my grandparents and my uncles and aunts harbored that and taught that to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually going to talk about that a little bit. And because we believe, and this is like I said, it's our opinion. We believe that the opposite of that is actually how we fix the problem of racism. Yeah. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so one thing I kind of want to start talking about was, you know, we all saw the video. The And if you haven't, you can still see it. And the tragedy that happened with Ahmaud Aubrey. And we have some amazing friends. Really um, great friends. And just to kind of give you a backstory of that, we live in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Which is still um, considered the South. Hard South. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama's hard South. <laughs> Um, in the Bible Belt, y'all. In the Bible Belt, y'all. Um, and we we have, I, I would say, most of our friends are actually white people, right? Like, so, like, we have we have friends of all groups, but I would say a majority of our friends are all Caucasians. And so, when that happened, we had one of our, you know, one of our best friends ask us um, very shortly after, or the first time we saw her after, you know, um, how did we feel? And at that point, we had processed how we feel, but we had never really expressed it to anyone else outside of each other. Mm -hmm. So I want to kick it to January 1st. And I wanted to like, I just wanted you to express how you, how the video and the events made you feel. And so for me, I didn't watch the video because things like that, they cause my soul and my spirit to grieve. And it just takes a while for me to recover. So I knew like the gist of the video, Jay had seen the video, several of my friends had seen the video, but I just, I couldn't watch the video. But after, you know, um, after, I guess, reading about just everything that happened in getting um, a, a, a broad view of it, seeing, um, how this man was unjustly murdered in the streets by by two other men it it caused it still caused my my spirit to grieve a whole whole lot and like i i didn't even kind of realize that i carried that weight the the first day that i saw it or caught wind of of this killing that happened and and it it just made me really really sad and for the whole day 
And so I did. I couldn't really put a finger on it because naturally I just want to bury things when they're uncomfortable or when I'm sad or angry. Like that's my first mechani- mechanism of, of defense is just burying it. But I, by by the end of the day, Jay had noticed like a, a difference, and I was like, I don't know. And so I asked myself questions like, what? Why could I didn't feel like I, I had been, you know, acting any differently. And so um, after just a series of just self-reflection, I finally realized like, oh man, this, this situation, it really did stick with me. And I just deeply was just saddened that this is still active and like people still think this way in America that, you know, a black man who's jogging down the road that, you know, it's, it's automatically suspicious. There was no other thought than that. He, he, and, um, that just stuck with me because my husband, like Jay, he runs all the time. We live in downtown Birmingham. He runs all the time. My dad is in impeccable shape. He runs all the time. So so good shape. He's in great shape. so frustrating. Go ahead. (laughs) And then my, my brother, he also lives in Birmingham and he runs too. And so it, I mean, all these situations with, you know, Trayvon Martin and, and um, just so many just merciless killings of of black people. And they 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 stuck with me. But this one really hit home because I have um, my, my husband and my brother and my father. They all do this activity and not even like think anything of it. But the fact that, you know, a black man um, running in the street is, is threatening to some people it just it it guts me that people still think that way and so yeah that was my first reaction to it all and, and I'm still processing how I feel in in a lot of ways but Jay why don't you tell us what your thoughts were when you first saw the video yeah that day was interesting to me because like you said I noticed something different in you and I couldn't pinpoint what it was I actually had not seen the video when I saw you, I saw the video much after that. And so I didn't see the video until it hit the socials hard. And then I saw the video. Um, but I think two things come to mind. One of them is still from a pastor. I heard, uh, speak a couple of days ago, but one of them was, you know, I thought about regression. Like just when you think, you know, and I'm not naive. I know like we are moving forward, in some aspects, but there's still, I mean, until, you know, if we have 99.7% people that are, you know, doing the right things, that 0.3% is still going to get on my nerves. You know what I mean? Like, that's still going to bother me. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that 0.3% of racism, it's like, and it's, it's definitely more than that, but, like, that's still, to me, as, you know, you know, I just feel like we should be well beyond that at this point. So, like, anytime something like this happens, I just feel like, we take three steps forward and then 20 steps back. And that's and that's sad to me because, I mean, because of, you know, the faith that we're a part of and what we believe in, we want to see heaven here on earth. And that can't happen until, you know, people love people the way we're supposed to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just has to be people have to love and respect people the way they're supposed to. And so that part is very, you know, frustrated and saddening to me because, mm-hmm. like, you know, we continue to push forward and when we when stuff like this happens you know you just feel a drawback yeah. for that and then the other word is suffocating and i think jimmy rollins said this yesterday on a call that um we were a part of and it's just like you just feel like you know that when you feel comfortable and you feel you think things are you know so much better and and then 
something like this happens and then you, you you're back to checking like checking on your shoulder when you're running and just like you know when the police gets behind you, you get a little nervous and it's just like those things like that um the the part is just like you, you think you finally think that like you know and i know it's easy for me to say because of you know where i live and you know um me being you know working and being very fluent in like the the area that i work in and, and i live in um but like it still feels very suffocating that you have to have these thoughts mm-hmm. and uh, the only reason i have to have these thoughts is because i was born as a black man yeah and i don't necessarily and like and i'm not saying other races and other genders don't have like these underlying thoughts that they have to think about all the time but i think for me as a black man it just feels suffocating that i can't you know I can't trust law enforcement. Like, that's just, to me, that's crazy. And I know some amazing police officers, and I love them, and they know I love them. But, like, if I get stopped randomly, I have, I know I got to stay attentive to. I know I got to keep my hands visible. Like, I know I can't reach down and grab my license if it fell on the ground. Like, things like that, it just feels suffocating that, you know, I have to have those thoughts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think one problem is, and this can kind of get into my next question for you, January, is, like, how do we... What needs to happen in order? Because I think that's what people want to know. Like, I think... And the best thing about, I would say, our friends... We have some amazing friends. And most of them have, you know, chosen us, which is great, to ask questions to and to, you know, learn from. Um, And so, I'm just going to treat everybody on this podcast like our friends. (laughs) And, you know, I just want to know, like, what... What would you think? And one cool thing about our podcast is we don't share notes before, so I don't know what she's about to say, and we could be we could say the same thing. <laughs> but like, what do you think? You know, if we we need to take steps, and we are taking steps as a nation, as a world, you know, to get better at this. But what I like to think of it as, you know, how can everybody take steps towards you know fixing this problem? Yeah. I definitely think it all starts with relationships. Yeah. I mean, it starts to ease the racial tensions that we have with each other or that we may not have with each other or that you just may be, like, ignorant to. Like, I think we just have to be intentional with our relationships. And um, I think one of the big things to know is if you have a circle of friends and they all look the same, then your circle's not big enough. Yeah. In order for us to ease the racial tensions in, in this country, it starts with the one, and it starts with one person that's willing to just ask questions from a loving heart and also in the other end for other people like um people of another race to receive those questions lovingly and know that you know we all have the best intentions we all want to live in a nation that is that is that that that's peaceful yeah and we all want all races and all genders and all religions to live in in a state of unity and i think for us to to get there is through those relationships and through difficult conversations jay and i we have difficult conversations pretty often in the um just in life you know with with our families and sometimes with our friends but also in um our places of work like we have difficult conversations a lot but i think that's what that's going to propel us from this level where we're at in this, like you said, Jay, this, um, this level of regression to go, to go further beyond that, um, to the level of progression where we're actually getting better in this area. Yeah. The, 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 
part about that though that's difficult for people is it's outside their comfort zone. Absolutely. And so, but a wise woman once told me that all great things happen outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. So in order for you know this to get better and progress and keep going. You know, you have to have those conversations. There should be no taboo conversation. Like, nothing should be taboo, honestly. Like, we're all, you know, we're all, God's given all of us a brain and a vision, to re- a, a, a ability to reason. And so, like, there should be able to, I should be able to have an opinion and a thought, and you should be able to have an opinion and a thought. And if they don't correlate, that's fine, but let's talk through it. And that's, that shouldn't be a taboo thing. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think in if, you know, you're not willing to, to go that route, you're just kind of choosing the route of ignorance at yeah. that point at not hearing the other person and just listening, listening to people and what they're going through. Listen to their background, listen to, you know, how they were raised and why they have these worldviews, because if we're not moving from a place of of empathy, then there's no way that we can reconcile this racial gap that we're feeling. Yeah, I love that you said empathy, because a lot of times. And I even said this the other day uh, to play kind of devil's advocate. I was like, you know, people sometimes they just don't know any better. And you said to me, like, oh, no, they choose not to know better. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the difference between right right and wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, like, they make a choice there to choose right and wrong. Um, One way that I kind of thought of this, um, because me and Jamie have been talking about this for a couple of days, um, and it's kind of a a football analogy and I can't believe I'm about to quote Nick Saban. Like I just can't believe I'm about to do it. <laughs> uh, backstory. We live Says in this Georgia fan. We live in out we live in Tuscaloosa for eight years. Not Alabama fans. I'm a Georgia fan, but I'm gonna quote Nick Saban here. And Nick Saban has a motto that he tells his players to, you know, win your box. And what that means is, you know, don't worry about what's going on all over the place. If you just win your area, if you do the best at your job in your area then as a team, us together will be able to make a big difference. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, this is just like, you know, if you have kids, teach your kids. Mm-hmm. Like a prime example, we had we had a friend who had a child that just recognized the difference in races. And like child doesn't know anything better. But child said, you know, something that was slightly could be offensive if someone would have heard it. So they had a choice to make, in, and I know they made the right choice, but they had a choice to make in that moment, am I going to teach her or him, teach her or him the proper way in about race and how race, and we're different. Like, I think it's, it, it's also become taboo to talk about our differences, which is like, mm-hmm. it's dumb. Like, if you say you don't see color, you're a liar. Like, we see it. <laughs> like, I'm black. I mean, January's yeah. a beautiful caramel color. Like, it's fine. Like, co- seeing color is fine. That is great. And also, like, and this, this, and this happens in the evangelical world a good bit. I don't think I can speak to this because I count on this group. Like, there's, we all, we love to say, well, we're all created the same in God's eyes. Well, we are. That's true. Yeah. But we're all not created the same in human eyes. Like, mm-hmm. it's like if you think me as a black man and someone as a, a Caucasian male was born with a blank canvas, and we have the same, you know, the same path to where we are, like that's that's completely false. Like, it's just there's different predetermined notions for a black male or even a black woman or just women or just like it's different things for everybody and that's okay if we talk through it and learn through it so i think dominating winning your winning your box you know if you have kids teach your kids the right way it's simple like you can control your family teach teach your kids the right way if you have friends uh, like january said if all your friends look alike 
find some more friends. <laughs> find some friends and ask them questions and be okay with asking them questions. And you might sound dumb. Some of my friends sound real dumb with some of their questions, and I love them so much because they're asking. It's I mean, amazing. they care. Yeah. I guess what it is. I've seen one person in some in one of our one of our friends who, because she asks questions and because she's so intentional about being, you know, the leader of her family in this lane. She's changed her whole entire family. Yeah. Like her, fa- her, her. We would take her daughter in right now and raise her for the rest of our lives. Um, her husband's amazing. Her dad and her mom have become like amazing people. Like they hug our neck, and it wasn't that way while a while ago. Yeah, 20, and 30 years ago. Yeah, and so like all it takes is one. You can be that one to start this. You know, to start having those conversations and just learning and and. And when you ask questions, listen, (laughs) just listen. And I think on our side of it and the black people and people of different, you know, races, we also have to be okay with answering those questions. Yeah. And, you know, and have to be okay with, you know, someone potentially like saying the wrong thing, but them not knowing it. But you in receiving that question, receiving it from a place of love and understanding as well, because, I mean, I've heard some really, really like. Uh, terrible things <laughs> yeah. in my in my years of of life um but in knowing that if someone's brave enough to ask you a difficult question about race or gender or whatever it is be willing to to receive it well because i promise you it took a lot of courage to ask that question yeah. especially if it's as uncomfortable as race is to, to most people yeah and the thing is if we if we're not willing to answer questions and to have dialogue we just allow people to assume. And what happens when we assume... Well, you know what happens when we assume. <laughs> but, like, what also what happens when we assume, we set ourselves up to be offended. Yeah. And so, like, I think on both sides, there needs to be a coming to the table. And, it's, and you can't be... And you can't worry about, you know, the backlash of you being the bridge. Like, there has to be bridge people in order, you know, for us to understand each other. And so I think it has to be people on both sides coming to this bridge and saying, like, hey, on one side, we just don't know. And on the other side, well, we want to tell you. And mm-hmm. I think that is where, you know, we see real change. Mm-hmm. But it also takes empathy and it takes, you know, a, a kind of dying to self. Like, yeah. it takes a kind of dying to self and getting out of both of our comfort zones in order for, you know, there to be real, like, effectiveness in this yeah and you have to remember that we are all image bearers we are all humans we are all neighbors and so you just have to to remember like that's what we have in common and that's how we're going to get that unity with each other as long as we're our eyes and our ears are open to to ask questions and uh you know tell answers then then we can heal we can um shorten or yeah, shorten that ra- that racial gap yeah. that we're talking about. For sure. I, um, we can talk about race forever. <laughs> yeah, and I promise this will not be the first podcast we talk about race because I think Jay and I naturally, we put it in a lot of just like our overall conversation yeah. to, to like our friends and the people around us because we don't ever want it to be taboo. We want those around us to feel comfortable to talk about race. Yes, and I'm really, you know... Because of how I was raised, I'm really into the psyche of, you know, how races interact with each other or different races interact with each other. Um, Because 
a lot of it's based out of, and like I told January a couple of days ago, a lot of it's based off just like ignorance. Like a lot of people say this is just the way we've always done things. <laughs> and no one's ever grown anywhere by saying that's the way we've always done things. And so um, I think there has to just be open dialogue and it has to be genuine, you know, for educational purposes, like learning about each other. Um, it's crazy because like, it's interesting. Uh, a very wise man named Andy Phillips told me one time that we love to go, you know, we love to fly over to different countries and learn cultures and learn, you know, different things about different co- countries and different ethnic groups. But here at home, we want to, we just want to stick to, you know, what we know. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I, f- I find, I found that to be very eye opening because you know, we love to do that. Like, I love Asian culture. <laughs> I've learned so much about Asian culture because you're half Cambodian. Um, but I feel like, you know, there needs to be an effort on all sides to learn about all cultures. Yeah. And I think just to round it off, like, it starts with the one. Yeah. Like, you don't have to hold, I don't know, a, a sermon in the park. Talking sermon to in the a- park. <laughs> talking to just anybody that'll listen no it starts with the one who's the one person that looks the most different from you yeah again if your circle looks exactly the same get a bigger circle yeah but who's the one person that you can talk to about these things that you feel comfortable talking to or if you feel uncomfortable talking to just go for it because that is the only way that our nation will be able to heal yeah big gesture big gestures don't make change it's you know like we talked about last, it's marginal gains. It's just like you know, ah, bringing it all around, bringing it around town. The aggregation of marginal gains. Yeah, it's the little things that you know, like you said, making your circle more diverse. You know, teaching your kids. I can't, I can't harp on teaching your kids enough. <laughs> um, I taught kids in in high school that I was their first black teacher, which was interesting to me, and so like educating them. Um, on not just mathematics, which is amazing, but also just like different cultures was fun for me. Um, and so, you know, teach your kids, teach your, you know, make like January said, like, you know, get your friends and, you know, it's all about the small gestures. Like your Instagram post not going to make it different. It's just like <laughs> you have to, you have to get in and have conversations. Yeah, you have to get in the weeds and do the work. We talked for way too long. I think we're over. We probably did. I think we are over what we wanted to be. Yeah. But we hope it was good and we hope it brought value to you. And it, most importantly, we hope that it will initiate a conversation between you and your people. And like she said, it will not be the first time and only time we talk about race um, because people need to talk about it. And we like to talk about it. And it's our podcast. So we talk about what we want to talk about. (laughs) But we hope you guys got something. Um, we hope you guys, you know, start some conversations with your friends, your family, um, and we're out. Yeah. I think. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Thank you All so right. much for tuning in and listening to us. Bye. Bye.